paid for by American Civil Liberties Union, Inc., in coordination with Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights. From the ACLU, this is At Liberty. I'm Kendall Seesmeyer, your host. On November 7th, Ohio voters will decide whether to pass Issue 1, which would protect their decisions on contraception, fertility treatment, miscarriage care, and abortion. Now, the fact that this amendment is even on the ballot is a huge feat. First, Ohioans had to submit hundreds of thousands of signatures to get the Reproductive Freedom Amendment on the ballot this fall. Fearing that voters will take power into their own hands to protect reproductive rights, anti-abortion politicians forced a different amendment onto the ballot in August to raise the threshold for passing any future ballot measure from a simple majority to 60% of the vote. This thinly veiled attack on democracy and Ohioans' voting power to protect abortion failed by wide margins. So now Ohioans will finally have the opportunity to weigh in directly on reproductive freedom in their state over the next several weeks. Early voting started on October 11th, and Election Day is on November 7th. As we approach the election, our friends at the ACLU of Ohio and Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights are engaged in efforts to get Ohioans to vote yes on issue one. Voting yes is imperative because there is so much on the line. For advocates on each side of the abortion debate, this November is likely the most important Ohio election in state history. Access to abortion in Ohio is absolutely on a razor's edge. Back in June of 2022, the overturn of Roe v. Wade triggered a six-week abortion ban in Ohio, one that had no exceptions for rape or incest. It went into effect for nearly three months before it was put on hold because of litigation filed by the ACLU and our partners. Despite this temporary victory, the ban is just one ruling away from criminalizing care. Passing the amendment that is on the ballot in Ohio in November would stop the ban from ever going into effect again. It's the opportunity for voters to really get a say, not just a judge or politicians. To Elizabeth Chastain Day, the statewide organizing director for the ACLU of Ohio, this moment is what she and so many Ohioans have been waiting for and working towards since Ohio's abortion ban first went into effect after Roe was overturned. When Roe was kicked back to the states on June 24th, we all felt this sense of impending doom because we knew that our ban would go into place immediately, which it did. The six-week ban did so much damage in the three months that it was in place. We saw, you know, folks like leaders from Ohio Right to Life supporting forced birth in Ohio we witnessed our friends and allies and partners at Planned Parenthood and preterm Cleveland and other abortion clinics and abortion providers 
being targeted, um, being defunded, uh, being on the threat of closing down clinics that offer so much more than just abortion care. They offer reproductive health care in its totality. And yet access to even general reproductive health care was hanging by a thread because of the lack of funding that these clinics were experiencing. So that's one side of it, right? And I am a firm believer that we have to paint the picture of the world that we want to exist in in order to be able to motivate people to move towards fighting for that world. And when I look back at June 24th and the three months after that, what I choose to focus on is the fact that hundreds of doctors around our state mobilized and became Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights, that the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, Ohio Women's Alliance, Pro-Choice Ohio, and many other partners immediately launched into action, immediately built these really strong, robust coalitions, and immediately responded to the moment and said, not in our state, not here, not now, this is our Ohio, and therefore, our Ohio needs to look the way that we, the Ohio citizens, need it to look and feel for our safety, for our freedom, and for our families. All across the country, just like in Ohio, we saw people stand up and speak up for abortion access. When voters have been given the opportunity to vote to protect abortion rights in their state, they have shown up to affirm them every time. Many folks have even shared their own abortion stories for the first time, showing how important it is to us that we can make our own personal medical decisions with our doctors and not the government. My passion for reproductive rights comes from my own personal experience of accessing abortion care and understanding that because I had access to abortion care, I now am working for the ACLU I now have two children that I love and can provide for, and I now have a life that I don't know that I would have had if I was forced to carry that pregnancy when I was 19. I know that you're probably so used to sharing your own story at this point, but I just wanted to say thank you for, for saying that and for sharing it. A great deal of work has been done to get this amendment on the 2023 general election ballot. And it hasn't been without hurdles. We know that back in August, voters rejected a, another ballot measure that would raise the threshold of support required for future state constitutional amendments to 60% as opposed to a simple majority. It also would have changed the rules regarding signature requirements and collection for proposed ballot measures all around. Um, so that was the opposition's way of, of trying to make it harder for the ballot measure uh, that everyone will see on their ballot in Ohio in November to get on the ballot. What was the significance of that vote in August? And what did that signify to you um, about the efforts that you and others have mounted to really foment this fight for reproductive freedom in the state. One of the things that State Issue 1 showed was that you can't count Ohioans out. We're not idly sitting by. 
Um, we are very clear on why state issue one in August, the special election as we should call it, in August was a problem. There was also a leaked memo written to other Republican members of his chamber saying that they needed to get in lockstep, rank and file, to support attempting to raise the threshold for ballot initiatives because they had to block abortion. They know unequivocally that Ohioans support abortion access, and that is why they did this. But we will not be fooled. The special election in August was a really amazing and beautiful demonstration of our power. When we are organized, we are powerful. When we have conversations with our neighbors, our friends, uh, people in our community, folks at the gas station, um, when we step outside of our own boundaries that we have created and that are reinforced by the echo chambers we exist in, we realize that we actually have more in common than we have differences. And what the August special election showed us is that Ohioans care about our communities, that we care about truth, and that we care about freedom. And what we found was that the electorate overwhelmingly did not appreciate the attempts of our legislature to try to fool us, and we overwhelmingly appreciate the the efforts put in by everyday citizens to put issues before us. Like, I look at this very simply as voters are the ones who control our government. But this was an attempt by our government to control voters instead. That's a line, Elizabeth. <laughs> that That's a zinger for sure. I think that's really well put. You know, so it's it's really like an effort in three parts, right? It's fighting back against this effort to raise the threshold, getting the signatures that you need, which is not an easy task, to get that amendment on the ballot. And then it's passing the amendment on the ballot, which is where we're at now. Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights in partnership with the ACLU of Ohio submitted nearly 496,000 valid signatures to get this amendment, the Reproductive Freedom Amendment, on the ballot in the November general election. That is a wild number of signatures. Um, I don't know that many people. <laughs> how, how did you get the signatures? Tell us how you, how you did it. Do you want to hear like a fun fact? I do. <laughs> so I realized this after we submitted our signatures at the end of June. We only had three months to collect those signatures. Just three months. We stood up a campaign, what felt like virtually overnight. What I have loved about, and I might get emotional, so what I have loved about the folks who are on this campaign is how clear it is that we are willing to put ourselves on the line um, because we did just have three months to do this and do it well. The ACLU of Ohio, we became the petition distribution hub across the state, um, and that was something that we weren't planning on, but it was something that we had to do. It was also so beautifully organic, the way that volunteers just 
came out of the woodwork. Um, I really love to think about Southeast Ohio as a place where I feel is the the most clear example of breaking stereotypes and also getting activated. Southeast Ohio is very rural for those of you who aren't familiar with Ohio. Um, it's very rural. And there are towns where the population is 200 people and there aren't very many towns close to that 200-person town. Um, it is considered part of the Rust Belt. Um, it's considered part of Appalachia. And a lot of folks would stereotype it as being a very Trumplican space, you know, um, where the big lie was very successful. But what we remember about Southeast Ohio is that it was formerly a union stronghold. And it was formerly a place where it went for Obama multiple times, and then it went for Trump for multiple times. So we saw opportunity there. Um, our Southeast Ohio organizer, Natalie Johnson, mobilized very quickly to create reproductive freedom teams in Southeast Ohio in these rural pockets of our state. And they were able to close multiple counties with signature collection because we invested in it. We believe in it. So that's, to me, an, an example. The other part I want to mention is the way that the faith communities have turned out. Uh, specifically, our Jewish communities have really turned out. Uh, here in Southwest Ohio, our organizer, Riley Taylor, who's in the room behind me, um, helped to mobilize tons of congregations, tons of synagogues. We have the Unitarian churches and congregations who are very mobilized and active. They were active in signature collection and are active now in postcard writing um, and stumping, you know, talking about the ballot and in door knocking, phone banking. So it's breaking stereotypes. And it is also when you create space for people to show up and for people to own a part of something, they will. And that's what we saw during Signature Collection. And that's what we're seeing now. Folks all across Ohio are coming out to support the fight for reproductive freedom. And as Elizabeth said, religious communities have been a notable part of that effort. We spoke with Alexis Morris-Rowe, an educator and volunteer who got involved in the campaign first through her temple. Alexis told us about her long-standing passion for reproductive freedom and how both her Jewish faith and her family's commitment to service have informed her justice work. So I, when I was in college, I was an escort at the Planned Parenthood clinic um, in downtown Pittsburgh. So I would show up with a bunch of other men, women, um, and we would escort women into the clinic through protesters. Um, and, you know, that was on a Saturday morning at, at 7 a.m. And I you know, reproductive rights was always something that was very passionate for me. It was always um, felt more of like a, a calling that this was something that needed needed to be at the forefront of, um, I think, of any human rights campaign. You know, I continued to, you know, I, I went to grad school in Binghamton, New York. I did a lot of research on some of the anti-abortion movement um, when I was in graduate school. And and really, I just kind of continued that that passion. And then I would say, really, when I became a mother, 
was when I really started to um, just a mother and living in Ohio. So I had always lived in states where it wasn't really something I had to worry about. You know, I was living in New York. I was living in Pennsylvania. These were states that where I knew that if I was in that position, that I would have access to the care I needed. And only really moving into moving to Ohio um, and then becoming a mother did I start to feel like, well, maybe this isn't something I should take for granted. And so I just, you know, started to get really involved. And then it led me to, I'm a member of the local reform synagogue here in Cincinnati. We have a small but mighty justice collaborative. um, And really it was getting involved with the members of that justice collaborative and having incredible leadership from our rabbis where we really took this issue head on. The other thing I have to also add here is that I do not think I would care as much about um, like activism and, you know, we, in Judaism, we call it tikkun olam, repairing the world, if it wasn't for my parents. It was something that I grew up with. Um, my mother is incredibly active. I think she's actually more busy in retirement than she was when she was working full-time with with uh, four children. Um, so it was just always something that was really uh, ingrained in me that, you know, it's, we can't just vote. We have to actually get out and do more. And I still remember also my dad telling me stories. He's a retired physician and telling me stories being in New Orleans and seeing women come in with what was clearly a botched abortion and just how important it is to protect these rights because people are going to continue to get pregnant regardless of whether or not abortion um, is legal. And so making sure that it's accessible should really be the focus. Wow, you just hit on so much there, Alexis, and I, I really appreciate it. I mean, one thing you note is that things changed for you when you, or became perhaps more real for you personally when you became a mother yourself. Um, you know, one thing that we know about people who access abortion care is that 60% of them already have a child. So I think that um, that's, I think, a really important thing to underscore here. But um, I want to dig in a little bit to what you mentioned about getting involved at your synagogue. Um, in addition to being a volunteer for the ACLU, you're also a member of RAC, which is the Religious Action Center of Reform at Judaism. Um, RAC has been an ally to the campaign in Ohio and I think really instrumental in bringing the conversation about reproductive freedom to faith communities. Uh, We don't hear oftentimes faith communities stand up for uh, reproductive choices. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how your faith informs your advocacy work. I think it's important when we're having this discussion that those who oppose access to safe and legal abortions don't have a monopoly over faith. Um, And, you know, that one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about making sure that people have access to the care, the medical care that they need, including abortion, um, is, is because of my faith. And, and because much of Jewish teaching tells us 
about the value of life and the importance of protecting life. Um, and that also includes the life of those who are pregnant um, and making the choice to have a baby or not have a baby. And, you know, frankly, I, I didn't always identify strongly with my Jewish faith until I really started to look more at the teachings. And I mean, our one of our, our rabbis spoke at the um, Banifar Bodies rally in Cincinnati. And I just remember getting emotional watching her speak. And she came down after she was done speaking. And I, and I just gave her this big hug. And I said, I'm just so glad you're my rabbi. It was like this feeling of of really feeling seen in my faith as well. Um, and, you know, and I've had conversations with, um, you know, other members of the Jewish community. And, you know, the, the Jewish community is just as diverse as any other religious community. Um, so some of us agree on a lot of things. Some of us don't agree on some things. And so I was having a conversation with um, with a woman, and, a woman in the Orthodox community about this issue. And, when I started sharing with her that this amendment isn't just about access to abortion, that it's also about fertility treatments, um, that it's also about miscarriage care, it's also about contraception, um, you know, there was, we were able to have, I think, more of a discussion. Um, you know, certainly uh, fertility care is really important in the Orthodox community. Um, and so I'm also a board member with the Jewish Fertility Foundation. And so making sure that all members, all women in the Jewish community can have access to the fertility care that they need so they can create the family that they want when they want it. Um, you know, it is, a, is, an, is an issue that goes beyond reform, conservative, orthodox Judaism. Um, but yeah, and, and, and also just our temple is really... We're a very close-knit community. It's a lot of families. We have postcard writing parties on Sundays when our kids are at Sunday school. You know, we, we we're putting together a um, a Jewish community-wide canvassing event coming up uh, later this month. Um, so it's just been a really incredible community. The Jewish community alone uh, collected over 10,000 signatures um, when we were in the signature collecting stage um, and that we've uh, we've co uh, contacted over 200,000 uh, potential voters. Uh, so, I mean, we, we put together these text banking, you know, on Tuesday evenings and we just all kind of sit, you know, on Zoom together and just send out these text messages to potential voters. Um, and much of the messaging that we give is, you know, look, I'm a member of the faith community as well, and this is why I care about this issue. Um, and you can be a person of faith and also care about this issue. Alexis, that's so cool. Uh, I love that so much. I can like see it in my mind, just the group of you just kind of fear, fast and furiously uh, texting and writing letters and calling people. Also, what you said about the fact that we don't need to cede ground of faith as an entity to, to the people who are anti-abortion activists. They don't actually get to have ownership over faith at large. We can actually step into our faith communities 
and use our faith to also be informing our activism for reproductive freedom. That is so important. And I think it's not represented very often in the media. I wonder how we reframe that narrative holistically. And then also what the kind of reception is. Do you think that you're able to connect with people in a different way based on that being the premise of your reach out? Yeah, I mean, I think when I'm talking to people, I I think any opportunity to find common ground, you know, at the start of a conversation is only going to make your discussion a lot more fruitful. Um, you know, I ha- I also have a I have a teacher that says mother um, by choice for choice. So I know I've had the few, most people I speak with are very excited about this amendment. Um, The handful of people who I've spoke with who we may or may not agree, you know, they'll, I can say, look, I'm a mother too. You know, I'm a person of faith as, as well. We can, there's probably a lot more that we agree on than we differ on. You know, it the goal isn't necessarily to change someone's mind to suddenly say, oh, okay, I I think abortion is okay, right? I mean, the goal is really to say, look, do you do you want someone else making these decisions for you? Do you want your government making these decisions for you? Or do you want you and your family and your loved ones having having the opportunity to make these decisions? You know, there's I think a lot of like smoking mirrors, right, around this issue. But I think, you know, at the core of it is just saying that, you know, look, we all love our children. We all love our families. We just want to do this in our own way and keep government out of our families. Success in Ohio relies on building bridges and finding common ground. And from what Elizabeth has been hearing in conversations with voters, what unites many religious Ohioans may actually be enough to pass the Reproductive Freedom Amendment. So what are you hearing from more conservative voters, from more moderate voters? Parts of what we're hearing is that even the religious, like Christians mainly, do believe that there should be some access to abortion. And so what we have to do in any campaign is to meet people where they are and to help them tease out the values that they are espousing that they actually adhere to, but how their political or religious affiliation causes them to feel a sense of guilt or othering if they don't choose to vote party and rank or religion and choose to vote their values instead. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, It's notable that you mention a lot in this conversation, Elizabeth, the faith groups throughout Ohio. I think what's interesting is the distinction between saying you can actually have um, your own, you can have a religious value, you can have these beliefs, you can have these um, things that you hold dear to yourself, and it actually doesn't have to align solely with one political party or political agenda? So I will start with this disclaimer that I originally got into organizing as a faith-based organizer. So if there is anyone 
who loves making religious people remember their values, it's me. Oh, I love that, Elizabeth. You come to the right place. Yeah, yeah. I was raised Southern Baptist, like evangelical Southern Baptist, and struggled during my teenage years with reconciling the understanding that people need access to abortion and what I had been taught about abortion and the quote-unquote sin that an abortion is. One of the things that did help me was understanding how the Jewish religion sees abortion. And because the Christian faith is built upon the foundations of the Torah— it helped me understand that abortion actually isn't in the Bible. It's not mentioned. Um, It is a thing that people have used to control people's bodies. And for me personally, I believe that the movement, the social justice movement, progressive movement, what have you— sometimes tries to other religious people because they haven't found a way to effectively connect the religious values that these people espouse with the values of um, of humanity that progressive movements and social justice movements seek to center. But when you have conversations with faith-based communities, it is so easy to actually connect because those those folks in particular are very concerned about their values. They're very concerned about ethics. They're very concerned about morals and they're more willing to shape their lives around these set of values. And so when you're able to build a bridge between the value of bodily autonomy and freedom, the value of compassion, the value of... Um, ensuring that every person has access to resources, to care, to family, to uh, support and love. When you can build that bridge from those values that I believe reproductive justice and reproductive freedom encapsulate to the values of Christianity or to the values of um, Islam or to the values of Judaism or other religions— you can kind of pull people over. And I also think that it's really important to be very clear that even though I myself, you know, I support abortion access, my values around what abortion access looks like is not going to be the same as the values of my colleague, is not going to be the same as the values of, not values, but the the ideology of other folks. Like everyone feels differently, thinks differently about this thing. And that's okay. We're never all going to feel and think the same exact things about any of the social justice movements, any of the um, the major issues that we are facing in our day. However, my values decide for me that people need to have access to healthcare. And it does not matter what someone else thinks. It does not matter what someone else feels or what someone else's religion dictates. Because I believe this, I have to work for it. And because I believe this, I have to vote for it. And I think it's really easy to make that connection with people 
if you're willing to have those conversations and willing to be vulnerable and willing to um, go after the heart instead of just always trying to go after their head. Elizabeth, you just give a whole word, <laughs> a whole word for us. It's really true. Elizabeth and Alexis, along with so many other committed leaders, organizers, and volunteers in Ohio, have been hard at work as the campaign reaches its final stretch. I asked Alexis and Elizabeth what we can do to support the effort before November 7th, because it's crunch time. My final question before you have to go run off and do the actual thing, how can we support you, people who are listening in the last you know, few weeks of this campaign, what's necessary? How can people get involved? What can we do? Well, the first thing is that early voting has already started, so people can go out and cast their vote. Um, and, you know, I used to be really excited about voting on election day, and now I'm like, nope, anything could happen on election day. So I always now like to vote early. So I think if you don't have a sign in your yard already to to get one, to, uh, you know, to make sure your neighbors, people making deliveries. Um, you know, I live on a cul-de-sac and people will say to me, like, why do you have these signs? It's like, there are so many people who just pass by this house, you know, I mean, making deliveries. I mean, there's never not a reason to put a sign in your yard. Um, in fact, I, I posted, um, actually, uh, this other woman and I, we've become very close um, because we both have been posting in a Facebook moms group um, about if anyone needs a yard sign to contact us. Um, and it's, I mean, I've, I've gone through almost 200 yard signs uh, from moms in our neighborhood who want want a sign. And, you know, we're, our Justice Collaborative is having, we have a bunch of postcard writing parties scheduled uh, so I was at my nephew's bar mitzvah over the weekend writing postcards while sitting at the pool with a strawberry daiquiri. Um, so <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, That's a great vibe. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, we're we're going to be um, our our Temple's Justice Collaborative is putting together like a Jewish community wide canvassing event. So we're going to be doing more canvassing. There's a couple more text banking opportunities from RAC that they have scheduled. So it's really just getting the word out as much as possible to, again, to stress the urgency of this, because I think it's 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 a November election, but it's there's not really like major statewide candidates on the ballot right now. So there's the potential for people to skip this election. And so making sure that those who we know would vote to protect choice, right, that they show up and vote. Um, so really stressing the urgency has been key for us as well. So important. But yeah, we're all gung-ho. <laughs> I love it. I love the letter writing by the pool, sipping a daiquiri. That is, I feel like that is what activism and advocacy should be all the time. And Elizabeth, what would you suggest? Absolutely. Um, you can support us by joining our virtual phone banks every Wednesday and every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We host virtual phone banks where we're calling Ohioans and asking them to vote their values and vote yes on issue one. 
you can go to ourr.win and check out the events that we have and you will see the ACLU phone banks that are there on Mondays and Wednesdays. You can also go to ACLUohio.org and look at our calendar of events and you will find them there as well. So please, please, please pick up that phone. It's not as scary as it might seem and I'm kind of a fun host, or at least I try to be. I I believe it. I really do believe it. Thank you so much for joining. So appreciate you and all the things that you are doing. Um, and we are pulling for you and all of the folks in Ohio who are working to make this happen. We will be voting yes in November. That's right. Thank you, Kendall. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to At Liberty wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review the show. We really appreciate the feedback. Until next week, stay strong. At Liberty is a production of the ACLU, produced by me, Kendall Seesmeyer, and Vanessa Handy. This episode was edited by Peter Bonaventure. Julian Silva-Forbes is our intern. Paid for by the American Civil Liberties Union, Inc., in coordination with Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights.